Welcome listeners to Sleep, Eat, Perform and Repeat. This is a podcast on high performance. It will be presented by myself, David Clancy, and my two co-hosts, Connor Gavin and Kieran Dunn. What we're striving to achieve here is figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why are they successful. Rate and review, share with your friends, but most importantly, enjoy. Hi guys, so our next episode in our Rugby World Cup series in association with the Limerick Leader sees us chatting to Damien Varley, former professional rugby player with Munster and with Ireland. So we talk to Damien about his current ventures and life post-retirement. We speak about creating positive collisions in sport and business, talk about how we can apply traits from rugby and, and professional sport to the business world. We have a bit of a chat about how to shut out external noise and also the use of self-appraisal how you deal with highs and lows, and also the importance of building support networks. So hopefully you enjoy the episode. If you'd like any more info on it or any of our previous episodes, just check out the website on sleepyperformerpeach.com. So hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Sleepy Performer Beat. We're joined here in the studio with Damien Varley, and I'll hand you over to David, who will introduce Damien. Firstly, Damien, thanks very much for coming in today. We're very much looking forward to hearing all about your career. As a rugby player, you obviously professionally for Munster and Ireland represented the national team but also we want to hear a little bit about what you've been doing since having hung up the boots and kind of what makes you you and what makes you different so thanks so much for coming on today how is life and what are you doing today these days uh, life is good um, took a bit of a while took a while to get used to retiring and the change of pace change of intensity figuring out what you want to do in life um, but I'm currently I currently work for Morgan Stanley Investment Management. Um, I moved up and started in January of this year. Um, so so far it's really good, very exciting, and very different uh, to what I've been used to. Um, it's an unbelievable learning curve. I'm blessed with um, my boss and mentor Paul Price, who has been an, an incredible influence in kind of I suppose na- helping me navigate. Um, into new careers post what would have been a very intense uh, lifestyle. Um, so I was blessed to um, work with him and under him, um, and so so far it's it's going well. Very good. And just just tell us a little bit about what it was like to, you know, end a rugby career at quite a quite an early quite a young age, and then you know how did that affect you, and how did you say okay now it's time to do something different let's challenge myself in a different way well I suppose first of all you have no choice you have to do something it's a very strange situation to be in I think every sports person knows that their career is going to end at some point it's a very short-term lifestyle but nothing prepares you for sitting across from surgeon and being told for quality of life you have to you have to finish up where it's literally walk out the door and you're you're no longer a rugby player you have to try and you don't even think about figuring out the next chapter. You're you're grieving with what has been such an intense part of your life where you lived, slept, did everything about uh, your sport. All of a sudden, that's gone. So it, when I was told that, I, you spend a number of months, I suppose, getting yourself better. When you retire from injury, you're still rehabbing. Um, and I think you, you go through this strange mental turmoil where half of you is supporting the team that you've played with because they're your friends, you've spent uh, a lot of time with them day and night. 
But there's, I think if we're all honest, there's a bitterness and a selfishness when you no longer can take part in that. And you're watching, team, you're watching your team. You want them to do well, but a little bit of you doesn't want them to do well because you're not there and you can't share in that experience. Um, and I think that's probably the hardest thing to admit because uh, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a negative thing uh, for a person. But I think you, you get past all that uh, and you just... There was a lot, long time I couldn't go to matches because I found it very hard to, to watch them because yeah. uh, I wanted to be out there. Yeah, of course. But, but I, you get over that stage um, and then you begin to figure out, um, well, what do I do now? I think when you're a professional sports person, you're told what to wear, where to be, what to eat. Hmm. You know, you don't have to worry about anything except your performance and how you prepare uh, mentally and physically for any match or whatever you're doing that week. So all of a sudden, when you're gone from that environment and you have to decide, what am I going to do? What am I going to wear? How am I going to pay my mortgage? Do all these real life things that most people do naturally. You, you begin to, I suppose, panic a little bit. Um, it's not a sport that um, sets you up financially for life in yeah. comparison to soccer or American sports or anything like that. Yeah. So um, it's a privilege to play rugby uh, for, for your province, for your country. Uh, but the reality of life kicks in very quickly and you say, right, well, what do I have to do next and how do I do it? And you almost go back into the sports mode of mapping out what I want to do, how I want to achieve it. Yeah. And I think a lot of goal oriented people will, you know, they, they'll associate themselves with that. Is yeah. it mapping out a strategy uh, for the for the long term? Now that can, like everything, it evolves over time, and we start things, we move into other fields and whatnot. Um, but I think that's that's probably the biggest. You, you end up then learning how to live in that life. Uh, the the normal corporate world outside of sport does not operate the way we operate in sport. Um, I think a lot of industries would like to think that they operate in the same wavelength, but they don't. Um, so, and I think that's that's down to little things. It's down to, in sports teams, you only deal with people who are on your wavelength, who are subject to complete accountability to their peers and to the hierarchy, being coaches and, and whatnot. Whereas, and we probably speak to each other, and it's not to condone the way we speak to each other in sports teams, but we're very blunt. Mm. Uh, we're in a meeting. If we do something wrong, I'll hold up my hand uh, that I did something wrong. I'd expect you to criticize me for doing something wrong. Yeah. And I use this, the term criticize very loosely because it's not a criticism in a, in a personal nature, but it's a criticism in order for a team to get better. To build. Yeah. To build and to improve. And I don't think that happens in, a, in the normal corporate world because... It's very politically correct at times. Yeah. And I think people who haven't experienced sport, and not, not only professional sports, but a lot of amateur team sports, mm. they'll be very used to criticism, whereas people who haven't been in the sport will take criticism personally. Yeah. Um, and I always really liked that in team sports, where we could have it out in this room, and then we can walk out, have a cup of coffee, and then go onto the field, and we'll try and improve ourselves and improve the team. And if you're not at that... You know, you, you need to move on because, yeah. you know, the train has to go one way and if you're not on it, get off it. It's, it's kind of those positive collisions, really, right? Yes. You're you're all bashing off each other to to raise each other's games and your accountability and 
it's given you substance and it's going to feed into the team performance really 100% it? it's the recognition that if I can get you better at your game and you can get me better at my game yeah. then collectively we are a stronger unit yeah. um, and if we operate then on the same goal orientation um, you know we, 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 you build a very strong uh, team mm. to achieve great things so, so you were part of a very successful cohesive unit you obviously were in the front row in the thick of it mm. you've also been a captain so you obviously demonstrated leadership qualities on the pitch and off the pitch. And then you went through that period of time after a career when you're in a consultation. He says, you know, we for quality of life, I think it's time you, you stop rugby and try something else. What attributes did you draw from? What reservoir, be it mentally or physically, did you say, Damien, you know, I've done well here rugby. What can I draw from this to help me bridge the gap to get me working in the corporate sector now or doing the next phase of my life? Probably a tough question because I don't think we ever sit back and say, I did that really well or I achieved that. Mm. Because you're so used to doing something or achieving something and then stopping and starting again. Yeah, yeah. Where you can't look backwards. It's always about looking forwards. And you may achieve great things and whatnot, but you're only as good as what you've just done. So, I mean, if we go out and do something bad next week. Yeah. And you can't always live reflectively in terms of like that done, so I have to be able to do everything else it's a constant learning curve and a constant journey to try and figure it out I mean none of us know particularly when you move out from one career into other careers how long you're going to be at it or how good you are at it and I think it's just learning to uh, focus on what you're doing and almost becoming very myopic in in you know you're in a certain job you work hard at it and then you see what happens I suppose working in a team environment is the biggest thing that you can learn from sport and um, I suppose the knowledge that it just takes a long time and persistence to learn something and get better at it. I think I was a late bloomer in really in when it came to rugby and I was an even later bloomer to hone in on certain uh, skills that I had to like, line up to. I mean I struggled with it for years. Mm. Um, and I think it's probably one of those things that you do bad at it, you listen to other criticism, you self-doubt, um, and when you stop all that, you kind of open yourself up to getting better. And I think the same then in a corporate environment, you have to take criticism, but know that you're obviously in a job for a reason. So you kind of have to give yourself that self-confidence. And I think self-confidence is probably the biggest yeah let's say, arrogance that yeah. a sports person can have because you have to have it. Yeah. I think one thing you mentioned about um, business and sports, and we had author and professor Damien Hughes on recently, and he spoke about what actual sport can learn from business. Oftentimes, it's the other way around if the question is phrased. And just in terms of that thought, thoughtful disagreement and the critical appraisal that you see with sports teams and elite teams, have you been able to bring any of that into your corporate life or... What sort of attributes have you directly brought across, do you think? Uh, well, certainly not to the same bluntness that we would have spoken in sports teams. But I think in a corporate environment, the uh, accountability is a huge thing for me that you do something and it's criticised. You just take, you know, I did it, yeah. uh, let me learn from it. No one's trying to criticise me as a person or vice versa. So I think that ability to be very open 
in, in your discussions where you, you don't become shy anymore. Um, and I, probably because when I started in rugby, I probably would have been I would have been very shy in meetings. Um, until I realised that you know the guy over there is saying exactly what I was thinking, and mm. you you learn to have that confidence. Um, and so that evolved, and I think probably coming into a you know the corporate world, uh, that confidence to speak and to be able to mix with other people. Um, it's probably, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely beneficial, particularly in certain industries where you're dealing with clients. I think it's a confidence thing to be able to just chat about normal things without having a self-doubt, which a lot of people do and a lot of sports people do uh, struggle with conversing with people who you didn't, you're not necessarily trying to sell them something, but you're trying to create a relationship. Mm. I think when you come from um, sports, you learn how to create relationships because you're so dependent on each other. And I think bringing that into a corporate world um, is is another beneficial thing. And I suppose because I've had the privilege to captain teams and not listen to, excuse my language, shit around the room where you can just cut it, I think gives you a benefit when you're in a corporate world that you can see through certain things, you can see through certain characters, and you can see bluffers, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Absolutely brilliant, yeah. With the one aspect you mentioned was self-doubt and I think that when you're obviously an elite sports player you're in the public eye so you're exposed to that sort of critique from people you don't know and far-reaching and it's getting a little bit more intense now with social media so if you were speaking to a young player coming into let's say Munster or Leinster teams at the moment what sort of let's say cues or self habits did you develop in order to limit the outside world's opinion of you and be self-reflective but also be critically appraising of yourself in, a, in an objective way okay there's a few things there I think first of all I was lucky that I didn't I wasn't playing rugby in a social media driven environment yeah. I think that is a, to the detriment of younger people yeah. it's it gives voice to people who shouldn't necessarily have a voice in certain topics yeah um, everyone is entitled to their opinion as long as it's informed, in my opinion. So I didn't have that. We did have papers. We, no, I didn't play in the, <laughs> in the Stone Era either, Stone Age. But, you know, it wasn't as prevalent where you were looking up things and your life wasn't as scrutinised, be it whatever forum online you were on. But I would have gone through um, times where, as I said earlier on, I... I was terrible at line-out throwing and I was losing line-outs left, right and centre. But my family were exposed to uh, listening in the stands to people abusing you. And no one goes out in any sport, in any forum, to make mistakes intentionally. And they happen for uh, various amounts of reasons. So I don't really agree that... I don't agree. And you know what? Ian Keatley's experience a couple of years ago in Munster where he was booed was probably one of the turning points in my attitude towards... Mm. Now, we can do nothing without supporters and yeah. we value supporters. Yeah. But supporters likewise have to have respect for what a player is attempting to do and how they're doing it. They don't go out to make mistakes um, on purpose. My, I suppose my advice to a younger person would be to avoid avoid it I, and it's hard to do because some days you play well you want to read how good you are yeah. and if you want to do that I suppose you have to exp- allow yourself to be exposed to how bad you are at times as well because it is a 
you know, it is an ebb and flow situation. Um, but I would say avoid it. You need to concentrate and you can never, you can never alter what someone thinks of you. It's not in your power. So I think you, know, you need to forget about it. Concentrate on what you can change. And if you're a sports person and you have a problem with line of throws, you go and you fix it and you spend how many number of weeks, months, years it takes and you focus on it until it's right and remove yourself from all the externalities that cannot help you in what you're trying to achieve. It's a fallacy to think that anyone else is going to do it because they'll jump on board if you're doing well and they'll just quickly jump ship uh, the minute you turn or you have a poor game. And I think... You know, in Ian Keatley's situation, that was extremely prevalent. Because, yeah. you know, that guy kicked us to European semi-finals, and uh, we won. You know, he he has won numerous medals, um, and all of a sudden he has a bad season and he's booed, which you know yeah. is, is the height of disrespect. So you know, it it's very difficult for younger sports guys now who are coming up and have to try and balance a world where that is driven by social media, how you look, what you're doing, you know, all this reality TV rubbish. Um, and I think it, it, it generates these thoughts in young people's heads that, you know, this is how you should look and this yeah. is how you should act and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it's wrong. Um, so, I mean, it, it's that's the difficulty if you have kids now or yeah. you're a teacher or you're a young coach. How do you manage that? And I don't have the answer for it, but and I don't think it's as easy as me just saying, don't be on social media. Or yeah. if you are on social media, just don't follow yourself. Or yeah. don't you know? Don't follow the naysayers. It's a very sport. High performance is a very selfish, uh, myopic journey. Uh, although, albeit you might be doing it in a team environment, you have to concentrate on yourself because if you're not right, you're gone. Someone will replace you. So you have to be very careful as to your attitude and how you approach things. Yeah. It's funny, I got um, interesting advice from Adam Hustler, who came on this a couple of months ago, a yoga instructor who teaches internationally, workshops, conferences, a lawyer by trade, and a boxer, actually. And he used to say, and what he still does now, is he hardly looks on his social, and he'd have a big presence. He doesn't let the highs get to him or the lows get to him. He, just, he kind of just keeps a steady sort of stream and ebb going. So he's just... Going by building, 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 looking at himself all the time. So not letting people that are saying, well done, that was a great session. He's not really listening to that, but he's also not listening to people saying, oh, I didn't really enjoy that. That wasn't great. Didn't get much from it. And he says that's really helped him. And he got that advice from a boxing coach, actually. It's not get blown away that if he had a knockout or, you know, something like ended early or the other way around. It was kind of interesting, kind of always looking just at himself and not listening to people's opinions yeah and I think that's the way and that's what I was saying earlier on you can't read um, the good things yeah. if you're not willing to read the bad things and vice yeah. versa you just need to kind of do your own thing in your own environment yeah. um, with your own end goals in mind yeah. uh, your own strategy in mind and do that and it, you know it, it's easier said than done but you have to ignore people who cannot directly influence you I had a handful of people that I would look turn to for advice. Um, my father being one of them and probably one of those people who was my biggest critic and my biggest uh, supporter. Mm. Um, and it goes back again to it's not criticism 
to knock it's criticism to build yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it, it's different to listen to criticism from someone like that who you hold close um, to you rather than some random fella on the street who feels he has the right to go on social media and berate you for missing yeah. a kick or missing a throw or yeah. knocking it on whatever it is yeah. you know so there, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a balancing act and it's a very you know tunnel vision yeah, what we spoke about in a conference recently was building a support network and not a social network. Mm. So building people around you that hold you accountable for the standards that you set for yourself, but not to berate you for certain reasons without, let's say, a believability weighted dis- agreement argument. So yeah. you want to be able to say, you're better than that because of I've seen it before experience, you've trained for it, etc., rather than someone who has no basis for their opinion. So just for young listeners and stuff, it's very important to focus on that building a support network, not a social network. Uh, 100%. I actually have never heard it put like that before, but I think that's a really good way of um, putting it. And it's also to know that bad things happen uh, in sport. You have bad days. Everyone has bad days. And it's the ability to ignore it and, um, you know, build the next one. I mean, uh, McElroy's poor performance last week mm-hmm. in the or in the open doesn't make him a bad golfer overnight yeah. nor does missing a penalty kick in the World Cup final miss, make you a bad player or losing doesn't make you a bad team it just ma- means you have to look at it again and, and build up you know in again in a golf final I remember reading a quote the other day of the most important golf shot is the next one yeah. and yeah, I think sure. even taking that that away from golf it is the most important thing in every sport you know um, whether it's the next line out in rugby um, or, or the next free in, in football or hurling or whatever it may be yeah. um, the next down in, in the NFL it, it's everything is what's next yeah. we can as I said earlier you can't live retrospectively in sport you can't change the past in the present now you know there was a time when you played a lot of big games on weekends right and I would have watched a lot of those games what are you doing these days that kind of you know keeps the head going like there's probably a bit of you that might miss running out into Tolman Park or running out to different parks around you're in a new chapter now so how do you kind of fill that in um well I don't think those days can ever be replaced because I think no matter what you do uh you will you can never experience those highs or at least I have done nothing to date post rugby that has ever experienced those highs no you don't experience not yet not yet but you don't experience those lows either yeah. Yeah. And since we're talking um, the ebbs and flows of it uh, so I had started studying I went back to do an MBA in my which what turned out to be my last year playing rugby I took a break when I got injured and then I went back and finished it off um, and then did different you know diplomas after that and all that so I suppose my 9 to 5 job um, for want of a better term, is with Morgan Stanley Investment Management. Um, and that's an incredible experience. Um, given the tumultuous times of Brexit, mm. what's happening in the UK at the minute with Johnson, uh, it's kind of a very unique experience for me to be in a position uh, where I can work under someone as good as Paul um, in potentially moving everything from London to Dublin if, you know, if there's a hard... If there's a hard Brexit. Um, so I, I suppose experiencing things at that level is um, the experience of it is, is incredible. I, outside from that, uh, I found myself developing an addiction to golf in the last year. Um, 
so that's kind of a part of you know and are you good am I good is any golfer good does any golfer say that we're never happy it's one of those things you know you, you have a load of bad shots you've one good shot and you're kind of going oh I want to get better at this and I think like, that's certainly what um, bit me um, aside from that um, I always wanted I always had a thing for uh, movies theatre production so uh, myself and a friend of mine who was in the same industry as me who moved back from London to Dublin we set up a, a small production company uh, mm. this year and we're actually producing our first short movie which we're hoping to launch in October in the Richard Harris uh, oh, film okay. festival oh, okay. so we're in the middle of uh, that. It's Exciting times. Yeah, different, different. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's 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 a. It's been shot in Limerick. Everything about it. the crew, most of the cast and crew are from Limerick. Um, so it'd be nice, and obviously we have to get past the submission stage. Yeah. Uh, with the organisers of it, but that's going to be hopefully launched in um, October there, and it's been submitted to other. Uh, festivals in the new year uh, in the states, um, and then we're in the middle of writing uh, our first feature film uh, as well. Which we'll is go to the Sundance Festival. Sundance can. Yeah. It's all. Yeah. It's all there. So France would be a nice couple of days. It so. would. It would. Any of them would be nice. Particularly <laughs> if you could win one. Get um, the highs back, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I get I involve myself in little things like that. Um, I have other businesses that are based in Limerick. Um, so I I like to keep myself busy. Uh, I'm involved in a lot of different things um, simply because I, I can't do, and I said loosely, the 9 to 5 thing. I, I'm not able, probably because of my past, yeah. uh, to ever switch off. Yeah. Um, so you're always thinking of what you can do and what you can develop and be part of, I suppose. So it's um, I never turn on 9 o'clock and after 5 o'clock. It's, it's a constant like thought yeah. of what can we do, how can we get better, what's good to get into. Um, which is good that I do have, um, let's say, my main job and as a hobby we can do this production, uh, which is very demanding. It's, so very, it's, good. it's very good to hear an athlete who is into the arts and theatre. You don't always you don't always hear that, but merging the two is something. It's not unique, but it, it's rare. I think. Um, to say, is it? I think it is. I think it's it rare, is rare. No? Yeah, myself and the Rock. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it was something. It was something I always wanted to do, probably be- long before I thought I'd become a, a professional rugby player. I always wanted to. Initially, I always thought. Always thought I wanted to be an actor. As time progressed, I preferred the business uh, side of it. So that's kind of where we're, where we're at now. But yeah, it's you know I think it's an incredible uh, industry and one that. You know, I suppose I'm, I'm really passionate about because I've spent so long in my life being involved in amateur drama, amateur musicals and, and whatnot. So it's uh, there was a point in time where I thought I'd drop out of college and <laughs> run off and join the circus, but thank God my parents uh, held me <laughs> back. Well, we asked this man a couple of quick fire questions. I think it's, yeah, I think it's time for it, yeah. Oh, no. you're, you're a man that's been through a lot. Two of us, we'd like to learn a life lesson from you. When we're walking out of this booth, give us a life lesson Damien Varley can give to us to live in a bye-bye going forward. That is a tough one, but considering we spoke about social media and the effects that society can have on you, my advice to anyone would be to do what you want to do. Uh, obviously in a legal situation. But 
follow your dream, follow your passion, and don't let anyone deter you from that, particularly if you go through bad spells. You have to have a certain self-belief and a certain confidence that you can achieve anything, and I think you can if you put your mind to it. And you have to be very blinkered, very myopic in not allowing begrudgers or anyone who does not know the ins and outs of what you're going through uh, on a day-to-day basis. Don't let them influence you, don't let them comment, and don't accept judgment by anyone except yourself. And if at the end of the day you can say, I did my best, then I think that's all you can ask for. That self-belief and that faith in what's meant for you, you you can work towards, you believe that you'll get there. I think that's the only life lesson that I certainly uh, try and follow. Very good. On World Rugby, just up the road from us here, um, yesterday put out to certain players their best seven players, but they made a phone call to David this morning. They did, yeah. Yeah. Good they picked changed. it off, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you want to ask? I think, yeah, they, they were saying, um, David, they changed the rules going into Japan. I went, what? What do you, what do you mean? It's now a three-man game of rugby. So when Damien Vardy comes in the studio, you have to ask him that he's a coach and he's got three players he's played with and he has to pick a back, a forward, and either a nine or a ten in his team of three to fly in the plane. So who makes your three of players you've played with? Uh, okay, okay, I obviously can't pick all front rows. Um, <laughs> well, the first time I heard that. <laughs> as well. Bearing right. in mind Simon Zebo yesterday put seven Simon Zebos on his team. Oh, cool. so. Well, <laughs> that's self confidence. <laughs> okay, well, currently, I think Conor Murray, if you're saying I have to pick a nine, I think he's the best scrum half uh, in the world. Um, he's leadership ability, uh, he's just out and out skill at what he does. Uh, I think he's a must. I'm probably going to be very obvious. Uh, I think I think Paul O'Connell, obviously for his natural leadership. From a back perspective... Besides yourself, which is the obvious call there. Yeah, well, I, obviously I was excluding myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think it has to be O'Gara uh, all the time. Simply because as a forward, particularly as a front row, when I didn't like yo-yo running, he was such a good man to put the ball in front of you where you had go forward ball. And I think his ability just to do that. Um, and I actually think when you look at his defence, how brave he was just to stand there and get trampled on. I think, you know, it takes a lot to be able to uh, stand there, take that punishment and then continuously execute your skill to 100%. This man's the epitome of high performance. You can ask him the question. Yeah. So we have three questions that we like to throw in. Right. This one is particularly relevant today. What does high performance culture mean to you? High performance uh, to me is ninety percent of your is your is your attitude in how you um, approach your job, your role, whatever it is. I don't think it's necessarily in sport. It can be. In any walk of life, high performance is ultimately professionalism, um, your attitude to what you're doing. So like like the name of your podcast, if you eat, sleep, breathe, live what you're meant to be doing, yeah, uh, I think that's high performance. And I think you can have people who are high performing and never achieve anything. And people who achieve anything who, don't, who aren't necessarily high performers, uh, things may go their way or whatnot. But I think generally 90% of high performance is your attitude. Now I'm throwing out the rule book and stopping those big three. And I'm <laughs> going to give a shout out to, to Porig Lynch, Paddy Lynch, a friend of mine from the Hinch. And uh, we we're both rooting for Lowry. And I'm going to rob one of your questions, Paddy, from your quickfire on your podcast, Paddy Talks. 
I'm going to ask Damien, if you hit a walk-on song, you're out in the first tee, and you have to hit a ball off the tee, what's your walk-on song? Cheers, Paddy. Oh, Jesus. What is my walk-on song? What's to say he doesn't have one already? Correct. <laughs> you have me there. Um, <laughs> simply the best. <laughs> Tina Turner. You can't beat it. Damien Vardy, thank you very much for coming in to Kill on myself. CP Performer Pete, we've really enjoyed learning from you today and it's been really enlightening and illuminating for all our listeners. Wishing all the best going forward. Stay fit, stay healthy. All the best with Morgan Stanley, family and everything. Thank you. My pleasure.